Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Fitz Nation. More UFC stories and maybe a life lesson or two along the way as we learn from these great UFC fighters. On this episode of the podcast is Billy Corintello. Like I did with Andre Feely, I'm splitting it up into two parts. So you'll get about half of it now, and you'll get about half of it next week. Or if you're listening in the future, start with this one, then continue on to part two of my interview with Billy Corintello. He's out of Tampa, Florida right now, native of upstate New York. We get into his full story and how he found martial arts pretty late in his life. He was already out of high school, kind of running with the wrong crowd, got into a bad fight and decided he needed to protect himself or be able to protect himself when uh, situations got a bit dicey. And wouldn't you know it, as soon as you get into martial arts, the street fights and the riffraff and all of those other things that maybe pull you in a wrong direction, they tend to go away if you live the true martial arts lifestyle. He's certainly done that, and he's crossed a lot of goals off of his list over the past uh, years. He was on the Ultimate Fighter, then he was on Dana White's Contender Series. Now he's made his way to the UFC and being thought of as a featherweight prospect on the rise, especially after what he showed us on his last one. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't. If you want to listen to the full unabridged interview, that's available on my YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube, search Brendan Fitzgerald, and you'll find my YouTube channel. Subscribe there and uh, take a look around at some of the interview clips of past episodes if you've missed them. Or you're welcome to listen here, and I appreciate all the support. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter, at Brendan TV, and you can find Billy at Billy Q MMA on both Twitter and Instagram. Without further ado, let's get to part one of my interview with UFC featherweight Billy Corintello. So I don't know if you're familiar with my show, but it's not going to be like a lot of other shows where we just recap what just happened. I mean, this is this is the full Billy Q experience we're about to get here, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, so that's how, what I'm here for. How, how would you describe... Like Buffalo is the origin, right? Like uh-huh. what what was what were you like as a kid? Um, so yeah, I grew up in and actually it was I always say Buffalo because if I say Lewiston or Ransomville, people they don't know where it's from. So then right. they just in their heads they just think New York City. Yeah. Um, so that's why I always say Buffalo, but I really grew up about 30 minutes from Buffalo in Lewiston. It's like right on the Canadian border, uh, Niagara Falls, New York, like, you know, seventh wonder of the world. That's where I really grew up. And I was always just like a real wild kid and was really like, just did a lot of like what I would think was like dumb stuff. Like I would, I was always like getting hurt and getting in fights and just pretty reckless with my body. Um, that like growing up and, you know, I have three older brothers and older sister, so I would, I, and I'm the youngest. So I would just always, uh, you know, just be doing wild stuff. I started kind of pulling back and getting into martial arts when I was like 19, 20. Um, I got in a few pretty bad fights in uh, Buffalo. It was the, there's a place called Chippewa Street. Like to this day, I'll still, uh, I haven't been there in a while, but it, it used to be like every weekend we would go to Chippewa Street or Elmwood and we would just go out and we would drink all night and we would either get in fights or, you know, some, some sort of craziness would usually happen. Yeah. And there was one real bad fight where a guy headbutted me and like broke my orbital bone, um, in a, in a bad fight. And it literally led me into learning jujitsu and it basically started my career up. Uh, and that's kind of how 
Buffalo was. It was just, it's like a real rough, at least with the people I hung out with, it was just like a rough neighborhood. Um, I grew up with a lot of people that ended up getting hooked on drugs, get, you know, getting addicted to pills. You know, a few of them have died. A few of them went to jail. And after I was getting in those fights, I started learning like martial arts. I got my associate's degree and that's what made me move to Tampa. I basically had to, had to get away away from some of the people that I was hanging out with uh, because I felt like if I didn't get away from them, I would have ended up just like them. Yeah. And I, and I really believe that. So I moved to Tampa. That's where I met Matt Arroyo and you know, the rest is, that's where I met Matt Arroyo and Matt Frivola. Right. And we all started, you know, I basically started training under, under Matt Arroyo and he's been in my corner every single fight since that. And that was in 2010. We've had like 33 fights together and uh, you know, me getting out of that situation that I was in kind of led me to where I am now. Why were you reckless with yourself? Um, You know, it was, I think it was just uh, like, it was just kind of how my personality was. Do you know how like, you know, you're, I, you see it with certain people. They're like a combination of their parents. And my mom is like the sweetest lady in the world. She's like an old school hippie, like, isn't going to kill a spider. if She sees it in the house. Uh, and my dad's just a little bit, uh, well, at least growing up, he's, he's getting a little older now, so he's not calmer <laughs> now, but he's, he was always just like getting super loud and a little aggressive and really like outspoken. Like if he's got a problem with you, he's going to tell you right to your face. Uh, and really like, um, you know, like almost like intense to, to a point. And I think I get a little bit more, especially with like the MMA stuff and how loud I am and you know, how, how much I talk. I definitely get that from my dad. And then I definitely have part of my mom, but out of like my family, I think I just got a little bit more, a little bit, an extra dash of like that intensity and that mm-hmm. recklessness that my dad kind of has because my whole family's kind of like that, but not as bad as me. <laughs> yeah. Um, parents, were they together the whole time? Yes. Yeah. 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 So, well, so my dad had my two oldest brothers are my half brothers. Um, but we grew up, we were all super close growing up. And then my sister and my brother, are all under my mom and dad who they're still together to this day. Yeah. Uh, you know, they lived, they've lived together forever, love each other. And, uh, had a, had a, had a good, uh, you know, good family environment growing up. Yeah. So, um, I went to school in upstate New York, Ithaca. So I knew okay. a lot of people from the Buffalo area or whatever. So I kind of feel like I had a grasp on the type of person you are right from the Northeast. Uh, yeah. Buffalo's a blue collar city, good people, down to earth people, that sort of thing. Um, which is kind of what you just described in terms of your family life. But then I'm curious to hear that, like you came into this crowd where you're reckless and then you're, you're getting into fights and, and all of these people got into drugs and they started going down the wrong path. And I was, I'm surprised to hear that that was kind of your crowd. I figured you were high school hockey or high school football or basketball and just kind of whatever. Well, that, well, that, that's all true too. So like I played hockey growing up, like I played hockey, like, like everyone in Buffalo Yeah, played hockey my whole life. And the crowd I was hanging out with, I wouldn't say they were, you know, like people like, Oh man, like they were into drugs and stuff. It it got to that point because of like pretty much like boredom. Like there's not a lot to do there. It's so cold all the time. Winters, Yeah, exactly. And like, I wouldn't say that they were like bad people, but they, they just didn't have an outlet to like express themselves. You know what I mean? Like when there's nothing to do, you, you sit around in a room and, you know, you take substances, you know, like, and, and a lot of the older people there, um, you know, a lot of the older people, you know, there, they have that same mentality, like that blue collar, you work, 
50, 60 hours a week, but every day you get done working and you go to the bar, you have a few beers, you know, you have some drinks. Some people develop drinking problems. Some people, you know, become dependent on drugs, cigarettes, all that stuff. Um, and it's, it's not because of the actual drug. It's because they have nothing else to do. And they, they find outlets from all like the work that they're doing. Right. So I just, it wasn't like I, you know, I, I hung out with pretty much everyone. I had friends that were athletes, you know, I, I played hockey, I played football, um, but then I also, I loved to party too. You know, like I loved having drinks and stuff and, and going out and going out and having drinks turned into like, I'd be drinking and I would see one of my buddies like taking a pill or snorting a pill or something. And then it got to a point where like we would, it wasn't even on like the weekend. I would just go hang out with them on like a Tuesday and they're doing that kind of stuff. And that's where it got to the point where I was like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to end up like where I see you guys are, are headed with this. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I did my best to kind of explain that to him. I'm like, you know, we were just, you know, kids, you know, 18, 19 years old. Uh, but I, I kind of saw where that was headed. And luckily I always avoided that stuff. I never did any pills or anything like that. Um, all I would do is drink and, and party and have fun. Uh, but when I saw people doing that on like a regular basis, it, it got to the point where I'm like, Oh man, you know, a lot of my other close friends already moved out and already moved to other states and were going to college and being successful. And the ones that stayed home were the ones that were doing those types yeah, of things. Those are the you ones that I mean? stay, right? Exactly. They stayed. So I'm like, I was, why just did stay. you stay? So the reason why was because I had decent grades, but I, I, I wasn't getting any like big scholarships or anything like that. And I was super uh, fearful of, going out of state and and collecting like a ton of debt. So what right. I, what I, what I planned on doing was I went to, which is I exactly to, what I did. Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> right, I, you know what I mean? It, yeah. I mean, it's I crazy. would have, I was, it was a blessing in disguise. I was like too dumb to do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like literally like I wasn't smart enough to get a good, uh, you know, to go to a place and, and get a hundred thousand dollars worth of debt or whatever. Yeah. So basically what I did was I got my associate's degree uh, at, uh, at Niagara County Community College, and I worked the whole time. So basically, I graduated high school, got you know several different jobs where I would basically work and then go to school at nighttime and do like the night shift. And I paid for college as I went there. And when I was wrapping up that associate's degree, that's when all this stuff was. I kind of started seeing the vision. The kids I was hanging out with were just becoming losers, and my friends that went off to college were doing these big things and you know, basically making, making careers for themselves. So I knew I had to just get away from that and, you know, work on my own work on myself and kind of get, get some alone time so I could build up my own career and start my right. own life. So in martial arts is still not even kind of in your picture. Then did you have any combat sports training or like, like wrestling team, anything? No. As a kid, so, nothing. well, so I did have my, I had two of my closest friends, uh, growing up, um, where one of them was a really good boxer and one of them was a really good wrestler. I always thought it was cool, but for some reason I never like, I would, we would like mess around. We would have, we would do this. We'd have Friday night boxing matches. Again, we didn't have a lot to do. in Buffalo. Yeah, no. So my friends would come over this one. We were probably like 15, 16, 17. Uh, and we would have like a couple of drinks and we would be j probably drunk. 
and we had old boxing gloves and we would have like Friday night fights and we would box each other in my basement uh, with like an old like camcorder. Like, I wonder if we could ever find any of those fights. <laughs> um, and like, that's like, that was a Friday night for us. And we had like the best time ever. So I never had like a formal martial arts training until I started doing jujitsu when I was like 19. Yeah. Um, but I hung out, I hung out with a lot of like really tough, tough people. So right. we would like mess around and wrestle and box. And I, I enjoyed playing hockey and football, but I didn't really get into martial arts until, and I grew up watching boxing, but I didn't really get into martial arts until I started doing jujitsu. And that's when I fell in love with it. And from, you know, that point on, that's, it's all I've ever thought about really. Yeah. I'm interested. Um, this is something that I've kind of been revisiting for myself. And then I'm interested for you. Like, what were you told, um, as a kid? And then coming into your teenage years, like, what do you remember being told, whether it's by your friends, family, teachers, whatever, that affected what you thought you could do? Oh, yeah. That, um, that's do you a, understand that's what I'm saying? Question. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. It's something I think about all the time. And, you know, when you watch me fight, people like kind of don't understand it. They're like, man, he fights like he's got like a chip on his shoulder because I was in a small town and it wasn't like we had like these like high level psychiatrists. And so like the people you are listening to are like your local public high school teachers. Um, and you know, I was in like a, like slow classes in middle school, you know, like reading classes and stuff. So they, it, they always gave me the sense that if I didn't go to college, that I would be a loser. And if I didn't, get straight A's in these like shitty public high school classes that I would be a loser. So I always remember them thinking that, and even like where we grew up, they would be like, you know, he's from so-and-so like, you know, no, no one makes it out of Ransomville and no one does this or that. So to me, I always remember certain moments and certain teachers that would kind of say negative stuff or imply negative things. What's the one um, you remember? Uh, a couple that I remember. Um, I, okay. I remember a good one. So where we grew up in Ransomville, it's an even smaller town than Lewiston. Yeah. And some of the Lewiston kids, it's bunch, it's a bunch of like, like high middle-class white people. It's mostly all white kids. And then there's like Ransomville where I'm from. It's kind of like uh redneck, more hickish. And then there's like Niagara Falls who it's way more diverse. It's like white people, black people, uh, uh, Indians, everything. Same with Niagara Wheatfield. So I, I, I went to Louport, which is like Lewiston and like those surrounding areas. And I remember having friends there and I, I won't say the kid's name cause I don't want to bring it back up, but his, he, his mom would basically drop him off in Ransomville where I lived. And it's like, so basically it's like across the town. Yeah. And he would hang out with me and like some of my boys there who some of those kids were some of the ones that ended up having those, you know, those drug problems. And his, there was like a long road that got there and his mom would say, and I heard this from like other friends that got back to me. She would say that it was like the road to ruin. Like if you go down this road, it's like the road to ruin. And we weren't ever going to be anything because we lived in this area and we would, you know, everyone would be like drinking and stuff in high school. So I always remember her thinking that she was like better than us and making it sound like since her son's hanging out with us, he's, he might become a loser. So he needs to get away from us. And I was always thinking, I'm like, dude, I, you know, I got big, big goals and dreams and plans. And that always stuck with me. The road to ruin always, 
you know, that always like got to me. I'm like, like, who do you think you are? Like, you're not better than us. Uh, and so he's actually, he does really well And he's, he's, it wasn't him. It was like his mom. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I'll always remember like that, that type of thing and how people looked at us. And honestly, some of them were right to look at us that way because some of the people there were doing bad things at a young age. Uh, but I, I just knew I was going to be something different and you know, it's been working out the last few years. Yeah, sure has. Uh, but what, but, but with the martial arts not entering right until, until mm-hmm. you went down to Florida, what did you think you were going to do? You had big goals and big dreams to, to achieve these things, but yeah, you what? know, it's, it's, it's one of those things, you know, I remember uh, in high school, they're always like, you know, you got to figure out what you want to do. You know, you got to go to college, you got to do this. So I always love studying business. And I, and I love like watching sports, like, like sports center top play of the week was like a, like a huge, like dream come true to me. Um, so I never knew exactly what it was because the UFC wasn't popular back then. Uh, I loved business. Like, you know, I understand, like, I knew I always wanted to be wealthy and to learn about money and finances. It's something I've always studied. So when I went to college, I basically just went in like a basic, uh, you know, business administration degree. And I was studying that and learning the business side of things. But I, it, and then it started creeping into me like the martial arts stuff. But I always knew I wanted to be like an entertainer. I wanted to be in front of people. I just never really knew what it was until I already started training MMA. And then it like, just one day it was like, man, I want to be in the UFC. And then ever since that point, I was probably like 19 then. I was like, I want to be in the UFC. And then when I moved to Tampa, that was my only goal is to be a world champion to, to, you know, be an amateur fighter, then a pro fighter, then get the UFC. And now it's like, be a world champion. And I had to get, I had to knock off like 20 goals just to get to this final goal that I'm working on now. Uh, but I, I never really knew what I wanted to do until after I was already done with college pretty much. Yeah. And you went to Florida for college when i like you were down, like you were associate's yes. degree up north and then you went down why did you go to florida that's uh that's what i told my parents at least so they let me leave <laughs> they, they, they let me leave so i when i was in buffalo so i i started training i was doing jujitsu for maybe like five or six months and i took an amateur fight but i already knew what I gets you moving. in the door of jujitsu Why'd you start jujitsu? Oh, oh, you mentioned yeah. it, the, the bad street a, fight. I got a yeah, bad street I, fight, and you're I, like, I, I gotta straighten this out. I I got in a bad fight, and I was like, I need to learn how to defend myself if I right. keep getting in these fights. So it was right. actually okay. kind of like not the best reasons. Yes. in my head, I was like, but it was if I, it was legit though. It was like I need to actually learn because I'm out. I here. need to learn how to defend myself because I'm 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 putting myself in bad positions exactly, right. and which yeah. is ironic because when I started learning jujitsu, I basically stopped getting in street fights because I stopped partying as much. I stopped putting myself in bad positions. I Isn't understood that how. The way? Isn't that it the really whole martial arts way, right? That's the beauty of martial arts. Get into so, fights in a strip mall in, in jujitsu yeah. <laughs> class or whatever, and it straightens out the rest of your life. You don't get in fights with people with yeah. like weapons and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so when I was learning that, you know, I had my first amateur fight and I knew I wanted to get, I, I knew I wanted to get out of the, the small town mindset. So my sister lived in Tampa and I would always visit her and I heard about Matt Arroyo from, from, he was on season six of the ultimate fighter. So I knew he was there. She actually knew some people that like, she, 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 she knew him pretty like a little bit, but she was friends with like a lot of his friends. So when I moved down, I was going to, my plan was to do, to start doing MMA and then also finish my bachelor's degree at university of South Florida. So when I moved down, 
the first day I went to Gracie Tampa South, like absolutely loved it. Like trained with everyone, rolled with everyone, got to meet everyone. Super like inviting atmosphere, a bunch of like killers on the mat. And then I go to USF and it seemed like everything like went wrong with it. It was like, they're like, oh, well, we're not going to accept all your credits because you're out of state. Uh, you don't have residency. So it's going to be twice as much. Um, a lot of the classes already started. So you're, you're going to have to kind of fill in fill in the gaps. And so I just kind of got like a lot of like kind of bad stuff. And, but then they did say, if you live in Florida for a year, you'll get your residency and college is going to be half, half the price. So basically that first like month I was there, I decided, I'm like, listen, you love the jujitsu gym. You should start working anyway. Let's take a year off from school. And then if you want to go back when you have a residency, you could finish your bachelor's degree. And sure enough, after the first like six months, I was already taking fights and doing that. And I already had that <laughs> negative uh, visit to USF. And I'm like, you yeah. know what? Let's just, let's just see how far I can take this. And we'll go back to college if, if need be. And that's right. what I tell my parents. I'm like, yeah, I'm thinking about it. But um, after about three months, I had no, no plans of going back. Um, you yeah. know, I can always go back if I want to, but uh, I, don't, I don't see it happening. <laughs> what do you remember about making the decision to pursue the fight? As you said, it's a lot of little goals, but you made yeah. the big decision. I talked about this this week, a big decision that's long yeah. off. And you're like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get there. What do you remember about making that? Yeah, I remember. So I remember like moving from Buffalo. I had, uh, I was dating a girl who I really liked. She came down with me and then went back. All my friends were back at home. I was in Tampa by myself. My sister and her boyfriend were the only people I knew in Florida, really. And I remember like being in my bed being like, you know, that first month I was like, what am I doing here? You know what I mean? Like, I can't believe like you're betting on yourself this much. You know what I mean? Like in my head, I remember sleepless nights of like, are we really going to do this? You know, like I wasn't a great athlete in high school. I wasn't like a star athlete. I, you know, basically my whole home was back home. So I remember thinking to myself, talking to myself and thinking, if you're going to do this, you need, I need to give 150% or like whatever the number is it, but you can't half-ass this because you have no one, no one's going to bail you out. Like I don't have like super wealthy parents or, you know, like I didn't have a backup plan. So I just remember thinking like, you're on your own here. And if you don't give this every single, like every single thing that you have, you are never going to make it. You know what I mean? Like, and even then, even if you do give it everything you got, you still might not make it, but it's worth a shot. You know what I mean? So I just remember thinking that like the odds were so far against me that I was just like, you know, even, even questioning myself, but I just said, dude, let's just take it day by day. If you outwork everyone, if you out train everyone for a bunch of years, you you're going to give yourself a chance, but if you don't, you're not going to give yourself a, a chance. So I just remember like those first few months, like I didn't like to party. I would go out and like, I, I, I didn't feel comfortable even meeting people. My only friends were the guys that I trained with. And I was living like, you know, I was 21, 20, I was 21 years old when I moved there. And I was like the most boring 21 year old because I didn't have any money. I didn't have any friends. I didn't, you know, like I knew that the odds were so far against me that I knew I needed to give it everything I had. And I wrote down all my goals and sure enough, I've gotten past a bunch of them. And, and Did now you really? finally, yeah. it's, I've gotten, I've, you know, I crossed out a ton of them on the way. And now it's to the point where 
this is all just like, you know, I'm, it's a, it's a world championship now. And that's like the last one that like I need, but obviously since then I've built a lot more bigger goals. Cause you know, I can't say I'm going to be a UFC world champion when I'm, when I was an O and one amateur fighter, but right. now that I'm, I'm, I'm getting here now, I, I have a lot more bigger goals and more opportunities are coming my way because of it. Yeah. There's a lot there. I want to unpack it a little bit. Did you write down the goals on a sheet of paper that you have still, you still have that same sheet of paper? Um, I have, yes, I have a bunch of, uh, I, what I would do is I would get like, uh, I read a book uh, and thanks to Matt Arroyo who put me on to this it's called the compound effect. And I oh, read it probably Darren five, Hardy. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful you know, book. you know, Darren, that was one of the books that like really, um, you that's know, a book I point to. Cause I didn't start reading until I was like 32 consistently, yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's just like, it's a 120, 140 page book. You could read it in a day. You read yes. it in two days, you know? Yes. And that's a book I point to when people are just like, what books do you recommend? What do that's the yeah, compound that's, effect is absolutely one of them. That's one of them. I always, I always bring it up. And that was a, a book that, um, uh, really kind of helped me and kind of gave me like, like, dude, if you do everything right, if you make good decisions every single day, it's going to lead to massive results. Um, so that was definitely a big one that, that really helped me with it. But what I, what I would do is I would write down like each year I would write down goals and I definitely still have a bunch of those like scrap sheets. Yeah. And, um, you know, like I would have like my daily planners and I would write them all out in there and, I would like write down like how much money I was making back then. And I always look back. I'm like, man, this is, it's crazy how you went from this to this, to like to see it over time. And you look back and some of them, you're like, some of these goals were like, you were so excited back then, but then you're like, what? like one of them were like, you know, win your first amateur fight or like become an amateur champion. And to like, back then it was like so big. And you're like, man, that was crazy that like, you thought that was going to be such a big deal. And now looking back on it, like you don't even think about that. Like, Oh man, you were a two time amateur champion, like fighting like a local circuit. Uh, but yeah. back then, like I needed to get those out of the way to get to the next goal, the next goal, the next goal to get to, get to these bigger goals. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's worth setting the, the big goals in the distance, mm -hmm. but, it, but obviously you couldn't get to the UFC if you weren't an amateur champion, probably, it, you know exactly, what I mean? It's not like yeah. it's a prerequisite, but if you're an amateur yeah. champion, okay, cool. We got some good mojo. When you exactly. lied in bed sleepless and you were thinking, if I do, if I don't do everything, I have no chance. If I do everything, I still have a lot of odds stacked against me, but it's worth a shot. That's what you said. Yeah. Why, why the end part? Cause a lot of people would say, a lot of people would say based on the first two thoughts, it's not worth a shot or yeah. it's too risky. Why, why was it worth a shot for you? Yeah. Well, it was, it was worth a shot for me because it was the first time in my life that I, like, I knew what I wanted to do at that point, you know, like, so when I went to college, I was just getting my business degree, but I didn't see myself like with, with a career in like an office. Like I always hated that type of atmosphere. Like, you know, you get to work at 7am and you work all day and you get done at five and, you know, maybe you get two weeks off a year, but you better, you better not be late for work. Like I always hated that type of thing. So even though I liked business and it was, you know, intriguing to me, I never really visualized like what my career would be like. But when I moved to Florida and I started training, I kind of had like an ounce of hope of like, I can see myself being in the UFC. I can see myself 
enjoying my life training every day and I could do that. But the reason why I still wasn't sure of it being a career, because back then there wasn't any like big UFC, like there was maybe like three actual UFC stars and no one was just casually making a living off it. You know what I mean? You're like, you see like a Chuck Liddell, he's like a mythical creature back then. You know what I mean? You're like, and I was, I didn't look like that. I was just like a a little dorky white kid uh, that, you know, like I wasn't like a, a savage like he was. So luckily my trajectory and the UFC's trajectory, like pretty much lined up. Like Mm -hmm. by the time I got to the UFC, now they're, they're making big deals and doing all these big, huge things. Uh, But back then it was a, I understood what a long shot that was. I could have been, I could have probably been the the 10th best fighter in the world and still probably not made a living off it. So it was obviously a super high risk. And then I would always think I'm like, well, at the end of the day, if you don't make it, at least you know how to fight. <laughs> like, at least you defend well. <laughs> oh, I was, that was like some, something that kind of motivated me too. There you have part one with Billy Quarantillo. Hope you enjoyed it. Coming up next week, we talk more about his UFC career, the ultimate fighter, Dana White's contender series, and ultimately what's led him to take these big leaps forward and having really good success early on in his UFC career. He's no stranger to the fight game at this point, but still kind of a blossoming featherweight contender to keep our eye on. Hope you enjoyed that. About another half hour of Billy Q coming up next week in part two. We'll see you then.